Hey, super friends, and welcome to episode 22 of Get Your Comic on the Podcast with Neil and Martin. Say hello, Martin. Hello, Martin. Well, you said that with a little whimsical smile on your face this time. I'm feeling very whimsical today. <laughs> well, that's good to know. What are we going to be telling the lovely listeners at home about this week? As always, you don't know because your back is to the whiteboard, meaning it's up to me to do the housekeeping as always. I think you just said that so you can see the panicked look in my face if, as if I forgot to do the homework. Yes, it is quite funny, actually. Uh, so this week, we are going to talk about a couple of quick news stories. Then we have reviews of a comic book from you. Do you want me to tell the listeners at home what comic book it is, or are you keeping it as a surprise? Um, well, just we can tell them. It's not that special. Oh, okay. So you're talking about Deceased, A Good Day to Die, one shot that came out this week. Uh, very Klingon in that little title there. Uh, we're also going to be talking about It, Chapter 2, that I went to see this week. And then the return of a TV show that we've never really watched in this household. Um, You might have heard of it, you might not have. Uh, It's a little show by the name of Titans, which returned this week for season two. It was was alright, wasn't it? I've not watched it yet. Really? (laughs) I've seen it three times. Then we've got our discussion, our long, our long, long postponed discussion on uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. You panicked then. You thought I meant a long, long discussion, didn't you? <laughs> no. Long postponed due to all of the Titans news that came up. But first, the news. Which makes me feel like I should talk in a really posh voice. Do it. Give, give me your news at 10 news breakdown. Go. Oh, no, no, I'm panicked. <laughs> Channel your inner Trevor McDonald. Trevor McDonald? I can't do Trevor McDonald. I could do a Jackie Birdie for you, but you don't like her. <laughs> Now you need to explain to the listeners at home who Jackie Birdie is. No, I don't. She's infamous. They'll all know who Jackie Birdie is. She is certainly infamous, but she's not infamous for reading the news. Shock. Go on. <laughs> Do something other than take a sharp intake of breath. Remember, this isn't a video. People can't see the look Shocked on your face. Shocked and hurt. She's an institution. In Scotland. No one knows who she is outside of Scotland. Anyway, we digress. Yes. So, <laughs> I was thinking about it this week, and I was thinking that we don't kind of touch on the news so much and I thought it might be good if we try to install a little news section at the beginning of the podcast so this is a, this is a first little crack at it um, so I just picked a couple of headlines from this week that I thought were quite big uh, one of them uh, only actually came out last night and that is that Todd Phillips Joker which is in cinemas from 4th of October won the Golden Lion Award for best film at the Venice Film Festival if you're listening to this podcast, then the film probably needs very little introduction because we've spoken about it before and I'm sure you already know what we're talking about. But this is obviously the Joaquin Phoenix Joker, uh, which is not part of the, the DC Extended Universe. It's this special one-shot film crafted by Todd Phillips. It had its world premiere at the Venice Film Festival last weekend, an eight-minute standing ovation at the end of the film. and That's, that's a lot of clapping. <laughs> so That's a lot of clapping. Some very sore hands in that room. And... Uh, and now, obviously, wins the award for best film. So it's got a whole bunch of other film festivals that are coming up, including Toronto as well, before it actually hits cinemas properly. But this quite seriously puts it in contention for Oscars and Golden Globes now, because it's those types of films that win the awards at festivals that then go on to do the big awards season later on. So it's uh, it's pretty big news, really, for a comic book movie to not only have gone to... well. I say it's big news for a comic book film to have gone to a film festival. Venice actually had the premiere of Predator last year. <laughs> that didn't do so well. Uh, but they you know, they managed to enter it in the festival, at least. Um, but for it to win Best Film at a festival, is, it's, that's, you, let's go and offend a whole swathe of the audience. That's not going to happen to a Marvel movie. Ooh. 
which is a bit <laughs> shitty today. It's not. It's just not. You know that kind, the normal kind of popcorn comic book movie or popcorn like Transformers, any of those big franchises aren't going to go to a film festival and aren't going to win awards. This is a totally different type of movie. Now we obviously haven't seen this film yet, so I can't really comment on the quality of it. But as it stands, it still holds a score of eighty-six percent fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. The critics' consensus, if you haven't already read it, says Joker gives its infamous central character a chillingly plausible origin story that serves as a brilliant showcase for its star and a dark evolution for comics-inspired cinema. I I know that I'm looking forward to it, and I'm hoping we're going to get to see it in New York when we go out there for New York Comic Con because it comes out while we're over there. You're I don't know, we haven't really spoken about it all that much. Are you excited for it? I am. I think I am. I think it's going to be very different. I think it's going to be very thought-provoking and not your typical absolutely comic film just in case anybody can hear anything odd at this exact moment in time there is a cat lying on my microphone you might hear some light purring in a minute from the cat it's like a it's like amr you know that whole thing about like whispering that people love listening to no no that's passed you by we don't want to dwell on it too much because we can't review a film that we've not seen yet but i do think i think it's going to polarize the audience quite a lot if you read the reviews it's like five out of five or zero out of five which i find really interesting because it's you just it's marmite you love it or you hate it i particularly enjoyed the review that said uh, it looked and felt like a suicide squad spin-off i'm not really getting that from the trailers but okay that person really didn't like it funnily enough but there's some really obvious points which i think are fair that some of the negative reviews have had which is certainly coming from american reviewers that think it glorifies the type of person that they they kind of see as a mass murderer in america it's a very delicate time over there at the minute so it's probably not the best time for that type of film no possibly not but i can i can see where the some of the reviewers are coming from saying you know let's not glorify that mentally ill person who turns evil not that I'm suggesting all mentally ill people turn evil, but that's obviously the path that we're going down, and it's painting a very specific type of person, which I think America is very nervous of at this point. But here, the character is that type of person, so you can't really do it any other way. It takes you down a whole path of political correctness and what you should and shouldn't say and what you do and don't encourage by releasing that type of media, which is not something which I think is worth going down as a discussion because there's no right and wrong answer. It's all perception at the end of the day. And this is just a news story. So what's next? Thanks. Uh, So moving on from that, we have the announcement that came out this week of uh, the programme for the BFI London Film Festival 2019, uh, which I realise sounds probably like it's slightly out of our usual scope, but I do like to talk about movies that are maybe not quite within the comic book genre while we're on this podcast, and I'm very excited for this film festival. Why is that? Because I've been press accredited, which is very, very exciting, actually. Um, Never expected it when I applied for it. And it's quite amazing. I'm quite excited about it. Uh, it's something that I wanted to do from when we started this website in the first place, which is, you know, championing things which are local or UK-based because so many comic book websites and stuff, you know, focus on the big American stuff. And that's why I've tried to meet a few people that are indie creators from the UK and let's represent a UK film festival. Although, to be fair, half the films are probably not UK-based anyway. But, you know, um, it's still a homegrown film festival and good to show some exposure on. The festival runs on the 2nd to the 13th of October uh, in cinemas across London, uh, as well as obviously, you know, you've got the BFI itself, you've got all the the cinemas in Leicester Square. The full programme is up 
on uh, the BFI website and we've put some highlights up on our website as well. So the opening night gala is the personal history of David Copperfield. The closing night gala is Martin Scorsese's new film, The Irishman. Other gala screenings include Ryan Johnson's Knives Out, which I'm really looking forward to. I need to show you the trailer for this one, but we were talking about it with uh, with Nicola the other day. This is the film that's a bit like, um, almost like Cluedo turned into a film. It's like a murder mystery with, uh, with a whole different bunch of characters, and it's a really big A-list cast. That one's showing uh, throughout the festival until Sunday the 13th of October. This year's Patrons Gala is Tom Hanks' new film A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood where he plays Fred Rogers. The Patrons Gala takes place on Saturday the 12th of October. Other films that are having gala screenings, you've got Taika Waititi's Jojo Rabbit, which so that's the, the guy that did uh, Thor Ragnarok. So his new film, uh, he plays Hitler as uh, a little, little, I think it's a little girl's um, imaginary friend. It's going to be quite a controversial one, that one. You've got David Michaud's The King, which has Timothy Chalamet in it. James Mangold, who directed Logan's new film Le Mans 66, which is all about the Formula One race. That's got Matt Damon and Christian Bale in it. And there's also Marriage Story, which stars Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. Tickets go on sale to the public on September the 12th for, for all the different films that are part of the lineup. But as I said, you've got a link on our website and the full programmes there as well, so you can go and have a look. And if you're in London on those dates, it should be a pretty fun little event. And I'm really looking forward to going to it. So I just wanted to make sure I discussed that one because I do think it's it's going to be a big event in the calendar. And actually, we're in New York for some of it, so I've got to kind of condense it into four days when we get back. I'm going to roll off a plane and straight into a cinema, basically. It's a hard life, but somebody's got to do it. <laughs> it certainly is. So without further ado, we're going to roll on to a review. And I'm going to throw it to you first to tell us about comic book this week. Oh, that sounded like a little haiku. So it did. I'm a poet and I don't know it. What are you going to tell us about? So I'm not going to do a haiku because I, uh, I'm not even sure what one of them is. You <laughs> you just told me I've done one. Well, it sounded like one, so... Uh, I now demand that you do the entire review in rhyming couplets. No. So this week I'm going to talk about Deceased, A Good Day to Die. Not perhaps it is a good day to die, but just a good day to die. That was the thing. When I, as soon as I saw the title for it, I just went to a Klingon place. Today is a good day to die. It was a tough little ship. Anyway, so this, so we spoke about deceased last episode. Yes, you did uh, talk about deceased in the last uh, episode. Yeah. So this is a nice little tie-in. So I'm not going to tell you the the overview of the story because you know that all hell is broke loose and you know stuff has gone down. So this little tie-in again is by the same writers and the same team, but it takes a look at the other heroes that we've not seen yet. So it starts off with Mr. Miracle and... Barda. Barda, yeah. I can never remember her name. I want to say Apocalyptian Wonder Woman. So they go back to Apocalypse, and funnily enough, it's not there. It has been destroyed, and it's just come out as all bad stuff. So they then try and go back to Earth to find out what's gone wrong to sort of rectify that. And then that takes us in to see Mr. Terrific working out, trying to find out what's going on. They then link up and they then start to sort of start to clear up the mess, basically. And you almost think that they've got a plan to do that. So we get a bit of booster gold and we think, okay, it's going to go down like a, a timey-wimey type of thing. They'll fix it. It'll be fine. It'll be a nice sort of... We'll just undo everything because we'll, we'll send Booster Gold back. He'll 
do some tiny wimey stuff and make it all better. I did think when I started reading this, this they clearly think this is going to be easier than it actually is. But then no, no, it is not. So well, I really love this. I really love this issue, and you can probably guess why because it brings in. Ah yes. So who appeared in this issue that you might like? Um, was it Mister Miracle? No. Was it Mister Terrific? Mm, no. Was it Blue Beetle? No. Was it Booster Gold? No. Uh, who else could it have been? Was it Wonder Woman on the cover? No. Hmm. Constantine? Oh, yes, maybe Constantine. Yes, yeah, so we get a bit of Constantine, and I, lo- I do love me a bit of Constantine. And he's just being classic Constantine, really. So they got Constantine, we need magic to help us. He ultimately says, go away. So then they go and try and do Plan B, which is the timey wimey stuff, which fails horrifically. And it ends up with uh, Booster Gold and Mr. Terrific meeting uh, an untimely end, along with Barda and Mr. Miracle. It didn't end very well for anyone, did it? Other than uh, potentially Constantine. No. So it was quite interesting because it kind of builds up. You think, oh yeah, it's going to be fine. This is going to tie into the last two issues and it's all going to be okay. Nope. No, it is not. It is all going Pete so then Constantine changes minds, um, which I really like because he's in the he's in the bar. Yeah, he got into his little pocket universe. He went into his pocket universe bar with um, Bobo, which I with Detective Chimp. Yeah. Um, so the the bar and Bobo feature heavily in Justice League Dark, and then which it gets even more exciting because we then get a bit more sort of the the magical crew coming in to help. So we get a bit of Doctor Fate, bit of the bit of Zatanna, and then they go off to. To use a bit of magic to make it all better. Or with the hope of trying to make it better. I was going to say, it's got to be more of a hope than actually managing to. So I assume that this is, this is going to link into the last two issues. Because in the last issue of Deceased, everybody died. And I mean, everybody, the whole East Coast of America was wiped out by Mr. Atom. Yeah, we don't really... It's not mentioned or touched upon, is it? Well, they probably don't know because they're somewhere else. Because yeah. Constantine was in London. He was in Liverpool, wasn't he? Liverpool, sorry. And we don't know where Miracle was. Uh, well, we don't know where Mr. Terrific was. He was just in an undisclosed lab. Well, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see where they take it next and how Zatanna and Dr. Fate are going to fit into this. Now, I'm not sure because I haven't looked ahead. I'm trying to remain completely unspoiled on this. Whether there's another one-shot or whether they will now curve into the main story for the next issue. Well, do you imagine they would curve into the main story because everybody we saw in the main stories gone. Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. And this isn't like a huge event that's going to run and run and run. We've only got a couple of issues to go. Yeah, I've got two left, I think. So I really liked it. Um, I thought it was a great little story. just kind of makes... it heightens the level of despair. And it brings in some of my favourite characters. It was about time they started to lean on the magical side of things, because they haven't done that as yet in the main story. No, I mean, I suppose it's it's kind of... You don't normally bring it in if it's um, a classic apocalyptian... Well, we're getting desperate at this point. Someone needs to do something. Here, yeah. What did you think of the artwork in this one? So I love the artwork. So again, it, it follows the main sort of artwork for Deceased. It changes slightly when we go to Liverpool, so you get a bit sort of like classic Constantine-style artwork. But then you notice... Poor Charlie. It sort of flips back into... In the cab. DC star work. Yeah. He never has a good ha- he never has a happy ending really. <laughs> Poor Chaz. 
That's it. I was thinking Charlie doesn't quite sound right. Good old Charles. What would you score this out of 10, then? I'm going to give this uh, a 9 out of 10, I think. Oh, wow. High praise, indeed. Mm. Okay. And where can the lovely listeners at home pick up Deceased, A Good Day to Die? Well, I will tell you, they can purchase this wonderful little story where all good comics are sold. Congratulations. Now, I think it's your turn. I hear you've been away at some horrifying event. <laughs> I have, actually. That's a good point. Uh, I was just about to launch into telling you about this particular film, but I suppose there's a bit more to the story than that, isn't there? Well, I meant the film as well. It's all horrifying to me. <laughs> so I'm going to be talking about It Chapter 2, which you didn't go and see, even though we were invited to the premiere. No, thank you. <laughs> Clowns, horror, not good for you. No, and but... I wasn't here, so... Well, no, tree. Well, you know, no, you were here for the premiere. Oh, was I? Yeah, it was Monday. Oh, yeah, I was here. <laughs> For those that aren't following our every move, Martin's been away this week at a conference in Valencia, haven't you? I have, I have had some couple of likes, though, from people in the comic world for that, some of my tweets. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, he came back just as pale as he left, though. He didn't pick up a tan from the Valencian sun, unfortunately. I did sit outside in the sun for a good 15 minutes once, though. <laughs> well, to talk about it, I kind of have to go back to before I saw the film, um, to last weekend when I got locked in a room with Pennywise, which was as horrific as it sounds. So I went to the It Chapter 2 immersive event in the, the vaults underneath Waterloo Station in London. I have to admit, it was a shorter experience than I was expecting. I had seen some uh, some videos and some social media coverage from the event that they did in LA, which looked awesome with a full walk around the, the funhouse and loads of stuff that was going on in there. We had a kind of a scaled back version. So you arrived and checked in, uh, while some creepy music from the film was playing and then you you went into a room where you had the entrance to the funhouse and a couple of uh, couple of games to play so there was a hook a duck ducks are swimming around in the water and rubber ducks and you have to catch them with a hook um, then next to that was uh, the kind of water pistol game where you have to shoot it into a clown's mouth to pull up the balloon um, I didn't get to play that one there wasn't enough time I was playing the hook a duck game and then they whipped us into the funhouse so I can talk about the whole thing now because it's closed, so it's not like I'm spoiling it for anybody that might be going. And basically, you went into the funhouse, went through a couple of rooms that were just plain funhouse-type rooms, but at least tried to make you think, like, someone's going to jump out from some sort of angle and scare me in a minute. After you'd gone through a couple of those, you ended up outside the the house that you see in the film. The, uh, the dilapidated mansion house. There was a couple of actors that were putting on American accents having an argument about going inside to look for some missing children. So there was a row of bikes outside and they were saying, you know, we need to find the kids, we need to find the kids. I'm not going in there. So they had their whole argument and then the one guy was like, if I take these guys in with me, then it'll be okay, right? Pointing to us, the group of people. At which point in my head I'm going, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. I'm not going to go in the house. I don't want to go in the house. Uh, so in we go through this really, really small walkway and we end up in a room with three doors one that says not very scary, one that says scary, and one that says very scary. So in my head, I'm repeating the safe word that they said to us we can say if we need to leave. What was the safe word? Fireflies. So in my head, I'm going fireflies, fireflies, fireflies. Um, and we're all kind of stood there in a line. And the, the, the actor just says, like, who's going to go for the very scary door? And for a second, everyone just sort of looked at each other in this group. So I reckon there was about ten of us. Um just kind of like, oh, uh, who's going to do it? And I'm going, I'm not doing that. No way am I doing that. And then my friend Matt puts his hand up and goes, we'll do that door. 
thought I was going to vomit on the spot. I actually thought I was going to vomit on the spot, and I was like, I can't do it, 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 I can't do it. And I went all, like I was about to faint. Like everything, my extremities all went really like, blah. I actually thought I was going to faint on the spot, and I'm like, why am I doing the very scary door? At which point he says to me, don't worry, it's like a, they're just trying, it's a fake out, it's fine. They, it, the very scary door won't be very scary. The, sc- the door that says not very scary will be the scary one. So I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that, that totally works. Um, and then for some reason to try and like get rid of my nerves, I started doing the Pennywise dance on the spot. You know, when he jumps up and down and kicks his legs from side to side, which made everyone laugh at me because they were like, oh, look, he's about to wet his pants because he's so nervous. Guy opened the door. We were in a hall of mirrors. So at this point, I'm sort of using Matt as a shield <laughs> and walking behind him, just looking at the floor while he was feeling his way around. So we're, we're like, we're wandering around for a couple of minutes, like, oh, this is scary. And then, uh, so from the trailer of the film, there's a, there's a scene that's inside the Hall of Mirrors and Pennywise appears on the other side of the glass. So we got to a door that said exit and next to it was what looked like a mirror, but then Pennywise appeared behind it, but it was quite clearly a screen. So it's like, ah, oh, okay. So we're just watching it being like, oh, this isn't very scary. And then I turn around and because there was a strobe light going behind me and behind me, barely further than you are away from me now across this table was an actor in full Pennywise costume who just went, oh, and started laughing in my face. Um, and in my head, it wasn't an actor. It was actually Pennywise. And I screamed and screamed and screamed some more. And I actually think I screamed, I'm going to die. And Matt started doing some sort of like Kung Fu uh, in that he was just sort of punching the air in Pennywise's direction while the guy was just laughing and goading us. And it was horrific. And then we couldn't find the exit, even though the door right next to us had an exit sign over it. Because we were just like, how do we get out of this room? And then we exited, finally. When we figured out, we managed to calm down and been like, well, maybe we go through the door marked exit. We ended up in a Chinese restaurant, which makes sense now that I've seen the film, but hadn't made sense at the time. So we get to sit down at this table and the woman's like, oh, have a fortune cookie. Put your headphones on because there was a thing in front of us with that was made to look like a fake tape player with headphones. And then we got taken on a tour of the sewers of Derry. And so the headphones, all the headphones were doing were playing, like, playing a score from the film. So it was... I kind of get why they did it, but at the same time it made it really obvious what was going to happen. It's a building dramatic tension. Because as we were walking around... I mean, it was like one tunnel that we had to walk through and then it took us into a really big hall. Uh, so kind of walked through the tunnel and everyone's looking as if to say like, oh God, what's going to happen? But nothing really did. And then we got into this hall and as we were in there, the torches we were carrying went out and then the girl was trying to figure out, like she was trying to count us and make sure everyone was there. And then the little kid in the yellow jacket went running from behind us out of the room and stuff. And it was like, oh God, oh God. Uh, and then Pennywise appeared in the in the distance. And as the strobe light was going, Every time the light went out, he came a little bit closer to the point where he was right in front of our faces and we had to run out. But as all that was happening, the music was building to dramatic tension. So by the time you could hear like the... It was like, well, clearly something is about to happen. (laughs) You could time this a lot better because you're slightly behind the music. So I can hear dramatic tension in my ears and nothing is quite happening in front of me. Well, he's probably had to done that like 20 times before he's probably tired. But then this was the most disappointing part of the whole thing. So he came lunging at us, which was great. And the woman was like, run, 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 run. So she ran us out of the room, ran us round to the right where we'd come in from the left. And then we were in a room with a bunch of lockers. And she said, oh, okay, just hang your headphones up in there. So as we're doing that, the door to one of the lockers, like the back of the locker opened and somebody scared. Somebody was in a full Pennywise with like the teeth, scared one of the people in the crowd. And then a woman held the door open for us at the end of the room. And I thought, 
that's weird, it's a graffiti room at the end. I was like, that really looks like Leak Street. And so she just walked us through the door, and it was Leak Street, and she just shut the door behind us. And then all ten of us were stood in Leak Street, looking at each other, going, is... like... is this whole tunnel? Like, are the lights about to go out in the Leak Street tunnel? And Pennywise is about to chase us through the tunnel? That would have been scary. That would have been horrific. And so we were all like, well... Our slot was at 9.30pm and it's 9.51 right now, so we'll just see what happens. And we stood there for like five minutes and then that we realised that actually there was a big sign on the door behind us that was like, this is the end, you can't enter here, please go round the front if you're here for the IT experience. And we're like, oh, that was that was it. Oh. It's, it's, it's really difficult to know what to say because... the. The sets were like brilliantly built, really, really well built, and the actors' makeup was perfect. They were spot on. I was convinced that that was Pennywise inside that hall of mirrors. So what we got was great, but it was just too short. Considering we had to queue up to check in, so our, t- our time slot was nine thirty. So think that we've gone in, we've queued to sign the waiver, we went to the toilet before we went and did the duck game. We had time to do the whole. I think it was two minutes to do the the hooker duck game. For us to then be walked in and then do the exhibit and then be out to only be 25, less than 25 minutes, to be 20 minutes basically, I reckon we were only in that house for maybe 10 to 15 minutes maximum. That seems like enough time for me though. That's that's 50 minutes of sheer horror. That's and the terror. thing. You probably have to balance out like scaring someone completely witless and having someone like faint or have some kind of medical emergency with having a fun experience i just think for me it was just a little bit too short but i loved what i got so swings and roundabouts there was a girl that was in front of us in the queue signing waivers when she was saying uh when she showed them their tickets they were saying but your tickets are for tuesday and she said no i have tickets for tuesday and for today and then when they kicked us out in the end she walked off uh effing and blinding saying i will never come to this effing event ever again this was effing like other words that i can't say if i want to keep this pg-13 um she was really not very happy whereas we were i mean we felt it was short but we loved what we got and we went and had a couple of drinks to try and calm down because we were still a bit like just been attacked by pennywise but you know still a fun event i just 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 a shade too short for what i thought it was going to be but then, of course, the main event was on Monday when I got to go see the film, and it turned out to be the premiere of the film, which was very exciting. So we had tickets to go and see it, and I went with uh, with Lucas, who writes for our horror side of things, because, you know, you weren't going to go, were you? No. It was the first time I'd seen him in, like, ten years, which was kind of crazy, uh, but also really, really nice to catch up in person, even though I talk to him nearly, like, every day on Facebook Messenger anyway. Um, and we got to go and see the film, and then the cast were there, which was really cool. So let's let's remember that this is a review, so I have to do things properly, don't I? Uh, so, let's have a listen to the trailer for It Chapter 2. Don't get too scared, super friends. You can cover your eyes. You can cover my ears. Well, yeah, cover your ears. Something happens to you when you leave this town. The farther away, the hazier it all gets. But me... I never left. I remember all of it.
We made an oath. I swear. If it isn't dead, if it ever comes back, we'll come back to We didn't stop it. Pennywise. The clown. <laughs> we can't let it happen again. Chapter 2 stars Jessica Chastain as the adult Beverly Marsh, James McAvoy as Bill Denborough, Bill Hader as Richie Tozier, Isaiah Mustafa as Mike Hanlon, Jay Ryan as Ben Hanscom, James Ransom as Eddie Casp... It's such hard to say this one. Eddie Kasprak, Andy Bean, who you know from Swamp Thing, uh, who was Alec, as Stanley Uris, Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise... Then you've got the kids are back from the first one. So Jaden Martell as the young Bill. Wyatt Olaf as young Stanley. Jack Dylan Grazer from uh, Shazam as young Eddie. Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things as young Richie. And Sophia Lillis as young Beverly. Uh, oh, I forgot to. Uh, Chosen Jacobs as young Mike. And Jeremy Ray Taylor as young Ben. So 27 years after their first encounter with the terrifying Pennywise, the Losers Club have grown up and moved away until a devastating phone call brings them back to the town. Dum dum dum. <laughs> I really enjoyed the film. I really, really enjoyed it. One thing to say is that this is a very long film. It's 2 hours and 49 minutes long, um, but it doesn't actually feel like it. This is one of those films that doesn't feel like it. And I, we all had this discussion actually beforehand that horror films don't normally run this long, but actually it's not necessarily a straight-up horror film. There's a lot of psychological elements to it, but there is also, weirdly at times, a feeling like you're watching almost like The Goonies or an adventure movie. The way that the camaraderie between all of the the, the Losers Club actors works makes it feel like an ad- adventure film at times. There are some really obvious bits of exposition at times things are explained a little bit too much at length for you just so that you understand exactly what's happening and I do think that the the runtime was slightly bloated by the fact that they all had to go their separate ways uh, so basically this this second part of the book focuses on who Pennywise is and where Pennywise has come from and how to get rid of him 
And so part of that requires them to do like an ancient Native American ritual called the Ritual of Chud. Um, and to do the ritual, they all have to have a token that they have to give to, uh, to, uh, to kind of sacrifice. And part of that is what will trap Pennywise in this special jar. So of course, and they do make a joke of it in the film, but of course to find their tokens, each member of the Losers Club has to go their own separate ways meaning it leads to um, similar to what we're going to talk about in Titans actually, with Trigon taking note for each member it leads to a sequence of events where each character on their own has to have some kind of flashback some kind of present day storyline and include an attack from Pennywise so given that there's like six members of the Losers Club, it takes quite a while for each one of them to then get their token, which does bloat the runtime of the film quite a bit So what were your highlights? I had two scenes which I think I would say are my highlights. One of them is the Hall of Mirrors. It gave me a bit of PTSD, back to my own Hall of Mirrors experience, but it's also just a really clever scene in the film. It's quite disturbing. So uh, James McAvoy as adult Bill is kind of cottoned on to the fact that there's a kid in the town that seems to be the next uh, the next victim of Pennywise. He's kind of focused on him and his own un, kind of undealt with guilt from what happened to his little brother in the first film. Um, leads him to try and find the kid and the kid's going into the Hall of Mirrors at the county fair and so Bill's kind of running around trying to get through all the different mirrors and then gets to the point where he finds the kid but the kid's on the other side of the glass to him it's a translucent mirror uh, but there's a translucent mirror on the other side of him and Pennywise is on the other side and he keeps like banging his head against the glass and it's very very creepy and it's the scene in the trailer where he does the thing with the tongue where he's got a really long extended tongue that's like licking up the glass and making a noise it's very it's a very effective scene uh definitely quite creepy and uh one of the more bloody scenes in this film i would suggest it's already given me the no feeling so. <laughs> my other highlight is a scene at the lake at the end so in the first film uh you see all the kids strip down to their tiny whiteies and jump into the lake which they make a little joke of in this one uh but they actually all go back there at the very end of the film for a bit of a sort of touching uh bookend to the whole story which is actually quite nice it's got quite a hopeful ending i'd like to say it's a bit of a happy ending for most people uh not everyone but most of them What would, what were your overall score for this one? Uh, I didn't have to write the review for this one, which was really nice, because uh, Lucas did the review for this, obviously. Uh, he gave it an 8 out of 10. I said I'd give it an 8 out of 10 as well. Uh, I think we had a little group collab after the film, and we all kind of said 8 out of 10, because we really enjoyed it more than we thought we were going to. Because um, it, doesn't, it doesn't leave you terrified. It also isn't overly long. Uh, and it's still flawed in places. There's a couple of dodgy CGI moments, but um, on the whole, it's it's pretty excellent. They uh, obviously the kids have grown up quite a lot since the original, which was 20, well, the 1980s. Uh, no, the from like two years ago. So they do some digital de-aging on some of the kids, including the one from Shazam, Freddy. <laughs> I couldn't think of his name. Um, and it's a bit Henry Cavill's mustache. Oh, it's not nice. bad. They're just a little bit too soft in the face. So they've got the the whole mouth is doing the slightly fluid sort of plasticine type movement and their skin's just a little bit too soft for it to be real. Um, it's a great idea and it's only in two or three scenes so it's it's not even something that I would say was distracting from the film itself. It just, it's noticeable which is a bit of a shame. Absolute highlights from the cast have to be Jessica Chastain and Bill Hader though. She's excellent. Uh, Beverly's such an important character in the storyline and she has a really, she has some really tough scenes 
there's some domestic abuse stuff that she has to go through at the beginning of the film as well as then all the horrors that happen to her all the way through and she gets a particularly sort of satisfying ending and then the other one has to be bill hader's character uh he was the voice of alpha five in power rangers year before last um and uh richie is a slightly more well-rounded character in this than he is in the original um i don't want to spoil it because it's something that's very much buried in the subtext of the film right until you get to the end but there's something about his character that is alluded to in the book and the original but is spelled out some people have said it's been spelled out too much in this i think it's just been dealt with better which i think quite a lot of people will find quite touching i certainly found it was an angle of the film that i hadn't expected to see and uh for for an actor who's known for his comedic performances there is some great drama from him that was actually very uh, very touching to watch so when when's it out when? it's out now it chapter two is in cinemas now it's just come out in the news that it's made around 91 92 million i think for its opening weekend so slightly less than the first one but this is you know like how when you think about sagas from books so like lord of the rings and the hobbit there's always that bit that's maybe not quite the most exciting bit this is the slightly more weird sci-fi part of the book rather than the more straight up horror part of the book so that's not a surprise to me at all so yeah, go and check it out. And uh, if you have, let us know what you thought of it. And if you went to the event in London as well, I'd love to hear anybody's thoughts on it because I know it's been quite varied. I think some people have really dug the horror part of it, whereas others have felt similarly in that they thought it was a little bit too short. And that leads us on to our final review for this week, which is a TV review, is it not, Marty? I think it may be, yeah. Uh, had you heard of this TV show before I said we were going to review it? Oh, vaguely. It's like, you can, where can you watch? It's like, it's DC Universe? It's on those, those flicks of net or something. It will eventually be on those Netflix, yeah. Um, so what's our, what's our last review for this week? Is it the Titans? It's the Titans. Season 2, Episode 1, Trigon. I don't feel like I need to rattle off a cast list for this one, but just in case anybody is not entirely familiar, you've got Brenton Thwaites as Dick Grayson, Robin, Anna Diop as Coriander, Starfire, who else have we got in there? You've got uh, Ryan Potter as Gar Logan, Beast Boy, Tegan Croft as Rachel Roth Raven, you've got Minka Kelly as uh, Dawn Granger slash Dove, You've got Alan Richon as that man, the Hawk, whose first name I can't remember. Hank Hall, thank you. You've got Connor Leslie as uh, Donna Troy, Wonder Girl, whoop, 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 MVP. Uh, and Curran Walters as Jason Todd Robin. And a special guest star from Rachel Nichols and her poor broken neck from uh, all my favourite programmes like Alias and that other one, Continuum. <laughs> I forgot the name of it then and it's one of my favourite programmes. <laughs> Awkward. Uh, and unfortunately, I can't remember the name of the guy that plays Trigon because I can't reach my phone <laughs> to see who it is. It's, it's not important. CGI Trigon. Right, where do you want to start with this one? Uh, start with the story. What do you think of the story of Trigon? Um, 
It didn't feel like a a series two opener. Did it feel like a series one finale by any it chance? It felt like a series one finale. Or at least the first thirty two minutes of it felt like a season one finale. Did it not? Yeah. Yeah. It's slightly unfortunate. It is. But for whatever reason they took the decision that that was how it was going to play out. I do think it wasn't the best decision in the world, unfortunately. But, you know, it is what it is. We wrapped up the story. Hopefully it wrapped up better than it had been before, given that they reshot some of it. Yeah, I suppose it'd be interesting to see what they reshot and what was cut out. Well, it felt it was a bit obvious in places. Uh, So if you... Like, the beginning shot of Dick Grayson with the black eyes and the kind of cracked skin... His hair is quite considerably longer than it was in the season one finale. Well, it's evil hair, so it has to be a bit longer, doesn't it? Yes, <laughs> it's true. I think the, the the awkward thing with this kind of show that has a young cast is when you can see them age. So Tegan Croft is only sort of 16, 17, and I felt like there was quite a difference between season one Rachel and uh, season two Rachel. She had a little growth spurt during the summer. Yes, she did. Anyway, we're talking about the story, so carry on. Oh, yeah, so story-wise, um, it was alright. It was a bit rushed, but then it had to be rushed, I suppose, because they've got to sort of close off the story. I Part of me kind of hopes that it wouldn't just be episode one. I hoped that it might have lasted maybe two episodes to wrap it up, and that that was why they'd cut it off and carried it on, was so that they could send it out a little bit, but sadly that was not to be. It almost feels like they've... So Titans was the first one they've done, and that was all fine, that was amazing. But then Doom Patrol came along, and that was amazing. And then Swamp Things come along, and that was even more amazing. Well, not more amazing, but still amazing as well. Yeah. And they've all huge production of, value. They've progressed from what Titans in Series One was to the the high value of Doom Patrol and Swamp Thing and all that stuff. So Definitely, it, it kind of feels like they've had to. They've been a bit like, oh, you know what? Titans was really good, but now it can be even much better. Yeah. Because we've we've honed the skill, we've got the art now. So let's try and sort of deal with that and package that up and close that off and then do this new thing. Yeah. That's not a bad thing. No, I didn't it's not a bad thing. It was a really enjoyable episode. I mean I've watched it twice already and I will watch it again. I've watched it three times. <laughs> Once was very annoyingly in my hotel room in Valencia. I had to watch it in four parts because I could have them go out and come back in again. Did you actually just say Valencia? That's how you say it. That's how the natives say it. It's called Valencia. So anyway, it was really good, is what I'm trying to say in a very roundabout, round the houses way. What do you think? I would agree. I enjoyed the first kind of 32, 33 minutes. Um, I've seen some complaints online that some people didn't like, that they felt like it was half an hour of... um, Beast Boy and Raven running around a house being chased by Dick, but that didn't wasn't, like, that wasn't the crux of the episode. There wasn't even that much time spent on them doing that when you think about it. So I'd read that review before I watched the episode, and I thought, oh great, so they're literally going to be running around that tiny country house with him chasing after them. It was a little bit odd, so that tiny country house has got one hell of a basement. When did they end up in the basement? Well, they were running down that, that flight of stairs that kind of kept going on and on and on, and they were running through the lower part of the house. I was like, that's a big Well, there was that basement. scene where Trigon extended it out and it all started to go trippy. So I presume they were just running around like a trippy nightmare house. Oh, maybe that you could explain that away. I'll give you that. I would like to know why the one bedroom had a special private corridor hidden in the wall, though. Well, yeah. Maybe that was a special Trigon bedroom. Because that was a bedroom that Beast Boy was in and all the weird stuff was happening. At the end That's of true. One. It was, yeah. 
Um, also, I don't think that's very important to the story. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I enjoyed seeing the individual stories of each of the Titans. I'm really intrigued by the backstory to Donna. That was a good scene. Um, and I kind of... So, from her saying in the first series in that flashback about when Diana took her in to now seeing that she had what appeared to be a human dad, I'd like to know what her full backstory is. Did you notice the bit in the backstory, though? Which bit? When she was asking for ice cream. She asked for chocolate and... No? Okay, you're making a face. What does she do? Well, it's, it's a very classic Wonder Woman thing where she's always amazed with ice cream. And then you've got Wonder Girl having the same love of ice cream. Uh, I hadn't, no, I hadn't thought of that because it's a different character. I just thought it was quite serious. I was like, oh, that's nice. Um, funnily enough, one reviewer really honed in on the fact that she was human and talked about that as an excuse for why Connor Leslie doesn't talk with an accent like Gal Gadot, which I thought was a complete waste of a review because they're not the same character. Well, that's a, that's a bit of a tenuous link for that reviewer. I mean, I know the Themyscarians in Wonder Woman, the film, all basically had her accent, but I, I didn't really feel that that was a necessary point to complain about Titans for. Um, Dif- different Earth. Loved the fight scene between Robin and Robin in the Batcave. I thought that was really cool. Um, and so overall, I did enjoy that first section, but you can't argue with the fact that the last 10 to 15 minutes was probably some of the best work that Titans has done so far. Very coherent, very well written, very well acted, um, and just very, very much more tightened together. Yeah, no, it was really good. Just to, so I agree. I want to see more of Donna's backstory. Yeah, just purely because I'd be interested to see which backstory they go with. You being the Titans expert, I believe there's several. Are there not? Oh, she's got loads. So I think every time there's been a crisis, they change her backstory. That's interesting. I, th- I think well, from what I, I gather is that they've never really qu- been quite sure what to do with her from yeah. a backstory point of view so I think they didn't give her like a a true steady backstory until sort of I think the only world. series I've ever read her in is Titans Hunt because I don't read Titans quite like you do so I'm not that familiar with her yeah so that's her sort of our new 52 backstory yep now for the point of getting it straight in my own head and I realise there'll be people who listen to this who'll be like ah why do you still not know in New 52 Teen Titans who's the blonde one that's a Wonder Girl so that's Cassandra Sandsmark right thank you so there are there's more than one Wonder Girl isn't there yeah so there's a two of them there's the two main ones so I suppose Donna is more of the... Well, it depends on origin. She's the yeah. more Themyscarian, kind of superpowered Amazon-type Wonder Girl. Yeah. And I, I'm trying to remember. So when I read back, so New 52, Cassie, I'm pretty sure she got her powers from her gauntlets. Okay. And I can't remember how she got the gauntlets, but she had a different lasso as well. Yeah. She had special gauntlets, and that's where her powers came from. God. Whereas Donna, depending on her origin, was yep. either made from sand or she was a gift from Zeus. Or So made from sand would follow Wonder Woman, wouldn't it? It depends on Wonder Woman's backstory because hers changed as well during sort of yeah. crisis season, golden years and all that stuff. Interesting. Um, loved the introduction of Deathstroke. So that was interesting. Are we saying he's like, I get the impression that when he was standing at the sink, yep. is he like injured and broken? It seemed like he was not quite 
himself. Now, I don't know if it was the screen that I was watching it on and I didn't quite see it properly, but there was very much a shot that focused on his hand holding the side of the um, the sink, and there was something there, but I couldn't make out what it was. So I wonder if he was going to... I was expecting him to, like, crush the sink. Well, that's what I thought he was going to do, and then he didn't. Because sometimes he's got human power, sometimes he doesn't. But he definitely seemed... I mean, he was hiding in a cabin in the woods, and he was looking pretty dishevelled and drinking chai tea. Uh, so he was obviously trying to be a bit more zen and a bit more chilled out for whatever reason. Well, he didn't so, get his chai tea because the Titans interrupted that. Are we saying that he broke the Titans and the Titans also broke him? Like, they broke each other in whatever has happened in the flashbacks? It probably is. I mean, if, it, if it's going to go down the Jericho route, so ultimately he had to he kill Jericho. So maybe there's some... Because both the kids are actually... Titans. Am I right? That both uh, Ravager and Jericho were members of the Titans at some point? Yes. So they're not actually villainous like he is. So he must be not very happy with his kids, to be fair. Well, I think Ravager is uh, sort of one of those grey ones where she is and she isn't. Yeah, that Whereas makes Jericho sense. was... But then there's this whole storyline where he sort of... Because he can jump bodies. Yeah. And I think he jumps into Raven's body. Then he gets yes. corrupted by Trigon. And then he goes a bit evil. And then it's the whole sort of... Judas contract stuff where which we're probably building to which we'll probably build to or that might you know and then all yeah all hell breaks loose and then Jericho dies because Slade 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 kills him so maybe that's all happened yeah or something else has happened to make him be a recluse and not shave yeah <laughs> uh, but and I, I think there were many people that would probably agree with this the mere sight of Jason Todd on TV was enough to char him back into having a shave and putting the costume back on He's, he's quite irritating though, so I can understand that. I was going to say it, but I'm not. I'm not going to say the the line from the from the uh, from the episode. Yeah, don't do it. I really like the way they contextualised his character in the modern day of him having like uh, clearly some kind of go between who's like his manager for his contracts, uh, and then kind of opening up the house back up and go opening up the armory and finding the costume there because the costume just looks insane. It looks so ripped straight from the comics. And some really good advice, so like lemon, bicarbonate soda, get some bloodstains out. Absolutely. Uh, point of fact, and I said this to you when you were watching it after you got back, but I really enjoyed the music that was kind of his theme. No, I really... I, so that whole second half, I loved the music from all of it. Yeah. So his music, and I loved the music of the new Titans. Some might even call them the Teen Titans because they're much younger. Um, so their little theme music, again, I really loved all that. That's true, actually. This could be like more of a Titan saga, and you've got the Titans and the Teen Titans all going on at the same time. Because that's what we saw with Titans Hunt. So we had the older Titans. Yeah. So Starfire, Dove, Hawk, and then the Teen Titans as a separate team. So does Jason end up fronting the Teen Titans? Well, Jason's never really been a Titan because he's never been around that. There's long. a fear that they're going to adapt Death of the Family and do it slightly differently, and that it will be um, Slade that kills uh, Jason rather than Joker. But I don't, I don't necessarily see that happening. I don't see anything to indicate that that's going to happen. Oh no, they can't do that. <laughs> no, exactly. That's just that's something that people have discussed that they think might happen, and it's not. It's just not something that I can foresee. No. No, I'll have to phone Jeff and tell him not to do that. Alright, so tell me your highlight moment, which I think I know, but tell me what your highlight was. So then there's probably a couple, so the first highlight that made me squeal in my hotel room... And then text me straight and, away. And then text you was when Donna was like, Titans, together, and like, <gasps> <laughs> like, oh my yeah. god, it's the Titans! Yeah. That was exciting. 
What was the other one? Um, when they're at the very end, so when we're sort of, it's almost like it's like a highlight, but it's a low light at the same time, where it's almost a T, but it's not a T, yeah. but it's still a cool tower. I'm so clutching onto the fact that perhaps it's a different tower, and we've not seen it yet. <laughs> Even though it's in the same city. Well, it should be on the island, but it's not. But anyway, it's <laughs> still a cool tower, and the window was in a T shape. Probably. I presume they've contextualized that in that this is a Wayne Enterprises building, and that that's where they're based, and that's why you had to go to Bruce to talk to him about. Uh, you know, wanting to start the project back up again. I quite liked that because often in comic books, when you see them start the teams like this, they don't. It's not like they. You've never seen Dick or Damien or any of the Robins go to Bruce and say, "Oh, so I have this idea about starting this team. I need some venture capital so I can go and buy some property and set it up." And um, that happened in the Titans run. It's gone at the minute where oh right he's scowling at me right now I'm I'm fearing for my life where Dick went and set up the new titans to deal with the metahuman crisis because of all this extra energy from the source wall okay that's pretty cool that's but that's historically that's not something that you if you go back to like the 70s or the 80s you they would never have spent time on setting up a team you just say here's a new team book so to see that especially in a live action sense helped give it a little bit of grounding i thought that there was a you know he went and approached him about it and it was a, it was a whole thing it's a project that they then set up and it's quite nice because it gives it that justice league seal of approval because bruce being like the head of the justice league given that it was mentioned so we had a superman reference and you know when um when hank and dawn went to wayne manor to find jason he, they were like oh where's bruce and he's like oh he's away with the rest of the justice league as was alfred well somebody's got to wash his tights funny <laughs> i won't do it <laughs> highlights for me were seeing the deathstroke costume and then that piece of music that was playing when we saw that i think other highlight was seeing raven be a bit more like raven so as soon as he put the gem in her head uh i suddenly felt like tegan croft wasn't being kind of penned in as having to be a slightly petulant teenage girl she was allowed to act out a little bit more and have a bit more fun with it, and she seemed to really, really pull it out of the bag. I would never have said she was a low point in terms of her acting skills, I would never have commented on that, but given the way we saw her perform in season one, it felt a little generic Hot Topic girl who's a bit angry and has powers. And this was a bit more sassy. She had her sassy pants on. She did. And she popped Trigon God knows where. Yeah. Hopefully into the gem. So this, okay, so any points for criticism or low points? I'd like a little bit more around uh, where did he go? I mean, we're never going to get a true Raven backstory now because in theory she should have grown up in the other dimension with Azar. Yeah. But that's fine. You can, you can live with that. We will, we will live with that because she had a, a crazy aunt. Yes. And, but she's got the gem and we've got Trigon, so that's, you know, we're working on it. Anything else that you weren't particularly keen on? I'm not. I don't. I'm not feeling old Jorah moment as Bruce Wayne. I think a lot of people would agree with you. It's not that. I mean, it's not. That I don't like his acting. I thought he did a very good job imitating Kevin Conroy. This is my thing. I agreed that I thought he sounded like he was trying to do a Kevin Conroy impression, and I find it really weird. Maybe it's just because I live with you that people have said that he sounds incredibly Scottish, because I don't think he does. He's, he didn't sound incredibly Scottish. He sounded like a Scottish person doing an American accent. But I still wouldn't have said he sounded Scottish. No, I wouldn't at all. He sounded um, very Kevin Conroy. He's, 
Yeah. I I don't know. I, watching it and seeing the scene as a whole, I felt more comfortable with his casting than I did from the clips in the trailer. Uh, but I just can't ever see this guy in a bat costume. I mean, I'd, I'm not ageist, but realistically, he's got two more, three more Robins to go through. I, it's, that's obviously why he sent Jason to train with the with the Titans because he's too old to train him himself. Well, he's got he's got to go through the whole of Jason, then he's got to get through Tim, and then we've got to get Damien. Yep. We've got to we've got to throw in you know if we want to be we've got a spoiler in there who's going to take the place for a little bit as well. You know I don't has he got the steam to do all that? How old is Alfred? So Ian Glenn is uh, is fifty eight years old. So. In theory, if he was playing his age, then this is more of like the Dark Knight Returns Batman. Um, I guess he can he can pass for younger than that. I would more have said 48, 49. But even then, that's still a Batman who's getting closer to the end of his career than he is to the beginning to still have, you know, two or three more Robins to get through. I wouldn't have said he was 58. He's looking good for his age. I mean, they said that the season will focus on Bruce in the scenes that he's in rather than being about Batman, because once again, they don't want Batman to completely overshadow the Titans, because this isn't a Batman show, but it's it's difficult, it's going to be a difficult one, and if they ever then wanted to show Batman, they're kind of stuck now that it has to be him in some respects, they can't just recast the role Yeah I'll be interested to see what happens Let's watch this space So, okay CGI elephant in the room What did we think of Trigon? I'm glad they did it, rather than keeping him... Seamus Diva, that's the name of the actor. Um, I'm glad they did it, rather than... You call me a Seamus Diva? <laughs> well, that's also true. Um, but no, the actor's name was Seamus Diva. Um, I'm glad that they did it, rather than just keeping him human. They, they, they went there, they tried it. I think that's important, that they didn't just wimp out and keep him human. They did what they could with the budget that they had. I think... If I hadn't had seen Swamp Thing, I would have been okay with it. So as it turns out, Swamp Thing was actually the same special effects house that did Aquaman. They could have done a really good practical Trigon because they did a really good practical Swamp Thing. They could have. I guess they just didn't have the budget overall. And he was only in it for about five minutes. Yeah. I thought the scene where he transformed from human actor to CGI Trigon was good. I liked the way the horns appeared. I liked the way the the skin turned into the kind of leathery skin of Trigon. I thought that worked. And him walking around inside the house, I thought, also worked. I liked the fact that he had the four eyes. There was a shot that focused on his mouth with just the teeth that I thought looked really good as well. It was only after he went outside that I felt it went a little bit dodgy. So I pointed it out to you, didn't I, when you were watching it on the TV? When everything was blurry apart from him. Yeah, there's a weird shot. So he breaks Rachel Nichols' neck. And then turns and looks to the field where he's about to walk to. And then when the shot goes back to him from the front, the house is completely blurred behind him and out of focus with all the Titans stood on the on the porch. But he's completely in focus and the depth of field is completely off. And the colouring has slightly changed from the scene before. And from that point on, it seems a little bit dodgy to me. But then I love the shot when Rachel throws her arms out and the kind of the magic comes out of her and hers has this weird liquid oily blobby sort of effect to it and she destroys him and he was like burnt paper that was just kind of collapsing away i liked the effect on the both of them for that scene i thought that did was done quite well 
And we almost got to see a bit of like the Raven Soul self coming over as well, which was pretty cool. Yeah, we did. So it was a bit, it was a hit and miss, but it wasn't, I actually thought it wouldn't look as good as it did. So I was happy with what we got because I was afraid it would look worse. What would you score this out of 10? So the fanboy wants to say 10. <laughs> the more uh, analytical, critical, logistical side of you says... 8. Yeah? 7 and a half, 8. Okay. So loses half for the Trigon. But it gains everything else because it was amazing. And, <laughs> Do- and Donna Troy said, let's go Titans. Well, I think she just said Titans. In my head she says Titans. Oh, okay, fair enough. Uh, I Don't ruin it for me. I would give this one an 8 out of 10, I think. I'm still finalising my written review, but I think 8 out, of, 8 out of 10 will be the uh, the score that I'd go for for it. I think I need to see it another three times. <laughs> okay, then. Just because. Okay. Titans is available to stream now on DC Universe in North America and will eventually be coming to Netflix uh, internationally. They haven't announced a date for it yet, but if you go on the Titans page, it says, New episodes confirmed, coming soon. Ooh, that's exciting. Probably as soon as it's finished on DC Universe. So, 13 weeks to finish the series on the streaming service. Um, so I reckon probably uh, by Christmas, maybe just after. Well, this is going to be the best 13 weeks ever. Let's hope so. So for our discussion topic this week, I asked the lovely people of Twitter to tell us what their hopes, fears, theories, and basically anything else was for Crisis on Infinite Earths. Dum dum dum. <laughs> the uh, the upcoming crossover for uh, CW's DC TV, which I think they're starting to film those episodes now, so they're kind of getting down to the crux of it, and it'll be airing in December and January. We know that it's five parts. Three parts are airing in December, and then we've got a month's gap um, before the final two episodes air after uh, after the new year. So it's going to be a long wait f- to find out what happens. God, they're eking that one out, aren't they? Well, it's going to be you know this brings us into the end of Arrow, so this is going to be a uh, it's going to be a big one. This one. So, do we want to do we want to start with our hopes and dreams for this one, or should we start with the lovely listeners at home? Let's go for the listeners. We've made them wait quite a long time for this. We have. So we planned to do this a few weeks ago, but then you voted for Titans, so we talked about Titans. And then we were going to do it in the next episode, and then Titans dropped a trailer while we were in the middle of recording the podcast, so then it all went a bit sideways. So, first up, we've got the Emerald Archer, who said, I think this may be the point where we see that Green Arrow loses his arm, like he had in uh, the episode of Legends of Tomorrow Season 1 when they went to the future. Spartan will become Green Lantern, or his other Earth doppelganger might be Green Lantern, and resurrect Green Arrow, allowing the flash forward to happen. Also, an other Earth Barry will die, and I want to see Doctor Fate. I'm feeling like we have seen him, but we no. I'm thinking Smallville. I'm thinking Constantine. Then we have we have a Hulk who said, "I know they're on DC Universe and a bit darker, but I'd love to see the Doom Patrol and Titans pop up." Probably asking too much for a cameo from Gal Gadot or a member of the Justice League, though. I would just. Can you imagine? And I don't know why, but in my head, it obviously goes to like an Avengers Endgame point where you know, spinning the portals. No one uh, would do that. <laughs> <laughs> in my head um, and you've got like I don't know you've got uh, Melissa Benoist as Supergirl 
and they do like an equivalent of the Marvel lady team up and like she stood there and suddenly like Batwoman flies in like swoops in on a back grapple and lands next to her and then Donna Troy turns up like lasso in hand Starfire next to her or Hawk or one of the other lady titans and then Dove I said Hawk. <laughs> don't don't emasculate him. Sorry. Um, yeah. So Dove appears, and then you just you just hear it like I don't know. She just says something typically Wonder Woman, and then Gal Gadot struts in like sword and shield, and it's like, let's go. What what would be a typical Wonder Woman? Singing? I don't know. I'm trying to say how exciting it would be. Do you not get what I'm saying? I am. I am. And then, of course, Ashley Scott as Huntress from 2002's Birds of Prey would also have to swoop in and be part of it. And would we get a bit of, like, 60s Batgirl coming in on a Vespa? No, she's dead. Yvonne Craig's dead. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> but they could bring her in something. They could, like, have a cutscene of her on the Vespa on the way. <laughs> her little frilly purple bike. Oh. Uh, I'm sorry, but we're watching an episode of season three of Adam West Batman tonight just because of that. Um, so I just... That's a... I'm sure that was probably Nicola that put that, but it's just that's like my number one. If they can bring in the movies, like the rumor, and just have the movies and TV all line up together as a multiverse, that would just blow my tiny little mind. Uh, so Emerald Archer replied to that and said, "Give us Momoa!" Like Titans and Doom Patrol would be amazing, even if it's a separate scene of them just reacting to the fact that there's some kind of crisis. So then we had Earth Nine DC, who said, "This topic is getting me way too excited. There's just so many possibilities." Um, Claire, good old Gothamite Claire. Uh, said, not really sure what to say about Crisis and Infinite Earths. I've just read Kingdom Come and very excited to see Brandon Routh in the suit. I think that's going to look really cool. I wonder if they're going to age him up slightly and give him a bit of the grey hair to go with the suit as well. Um, I have no theories, but I'm disappointed that Michael Rosenbaum won't be making an appearance as Lex. To which Dave Armstrong uh, replied and said, I'm hoping for Tom Welling to return as Superman. It would also be good to see Justin Hartley as another Green Arrow. So we know from what the producers have said, that they've been looking at bringing back some Smallville people. Because, uh, as it turns out, they're much more beloved than I think Smallville. Just because, I, as you know, it's not a programme that I watched when it was on. It's not something that you've watched all the way through either, but then I went back and watched it last year when I bought the box set. I do remember watching it with my nana, though, when it was on. Oh, God rest her soul. I had a very good nana. She had a very cool nana. Um, and so in talking about the fact that Linda Carter might not be able to come back and do Wonder Woman. I mean, that could be to try and deflect, and actually she will be there, because obviously she's been in Supergirl. But they were saying, um, because they were thinking that they wouldn't be able to get her, that they were looking at more people from Smallville to try and bring in. But it's that kind of thing where actors are all being... Any actor that's been in any DC thing ever who is alive is basically being asked if they're going to be in Crisis. And they're all like, "Um, no, I haven't heard anything. But actually, they, for all we know absolutely everyone ever is going to be and they all know about it and it's just subterfuge but I don't know who you if you were going to bring back someone from Smallville it has to be Tom Welling if they could coax him into a Superman suit would be outstanding given that he never ever wanted to wear one Um, but you know he's always said he's open to doing something and he did supposedly say at a convention that he was going to be an Arrow this year Um, and he's in Lucifer or has been in Lucifer I'm not sure if he still is and if you if there's going to be someone else from Smallville that you brought back, it would be Lex. I mean, they are the two. You could bring back Lana, but she left early on, so I don't know what you would get out of seeing her come back. And uh, don't think anyone's bringing back Chloe anytime soon. Oh no, 
Let's let's glaze over that one. Yeah. Awkward. Exactly. So I, Justin Hartley would be a good one. That Green Arrow was actually a very cool Green Arrow. I enjoyed him, and I even enjoyed him as Aquaman in that uh, Aquaman pilot that he did. Didn't it wasn't Hawk and Aquaman as well? Yes. So uh, so they made a pilot for Aquaman the TV series, which you can watch on DC Universe, and that is Justin Hartley as Aquaman. But when that pilot didn't get picked up, they brought him into Smallville as Green Arrow. And then when Aquaman was in Smallville, it was Alan Richson who is now Hawk. So they could easily bring, stick him in his old costume. It's not well, an orange hoodie. Um, well, <laughs> Smallville costumes were not the best. Uh, but yeah, they could. I mean, Black Canary was also in Smallville. I think Doctor Fate was in Smallville at some point. There was a Martian Manhunter. There was a Cyborg. Most of the Justice League was in there. Batman was obviously never in there. There's tons of characters. There was a Flash. There was loads. I think it was a Wally Flash. If I'm right. I don't think it was Barry Allen. Next up, we've got BCRD, who was one of our winners with the Hellboy competition, who said, I know she's not a main character in the Arrowverse, but would love to see more of Bitsy Tulloch as Lois Lane. So she's the Lois Lane that was in Elseworlds. Uh, she was really good. So she uh, she was also in Grimm. Um, he said she's badass in Grimm, and I want to see her badass Lois Lane helping out the heroes. In theory, should she return, she should return either heavily pregnant or with a baby. Because, remember, he went off to live in Argo City. That's why Superman's not on Earth, because she's pregnant. That's exciting. So could we see a baby John Kent? Fingers crossed. If they could happen to jump forward in time, we could see another John Kent from another universe. Oh, we could, couldn't we? Perhaps even a Damien Wayne. We could have the Super Sons. <laughs> Whoa, okay. Uh, yeah, the Super Sons could, could have always appear. So Earth9 uh, also said, there's so much going on with this, it's hard to even know where to begin. I'm just expecting to be completely mind blown. But definitely a diggle in a certain green suit. It's something that they just keep bringing up and it keeps... People keep asking him about it. He's now said that he's had so many conversations with the producers about Green Arrow being done on TV. But they're they're cautious because of the budget it would require to do Green Lantern and do it properly, because obviously, going to space there's so much. If they were to ever spin it off and have a Green uh, Green Lantern show, you I just don't know how you could afford on a network TV series to be able to do Oa and all of that space travel as well as construct anything out of his mind. I think they're worried that they couldn't do it justice. But they could do like a a one shot of him in the costume. I'm sure they could. It would be nice if they did. That would be some huge payoff to to fans that have been wanting it for years. Um, lots of you, in fact, said about uh, about Diggle being Green Lantern. So BCRD said the same thing. Still waiting on that Diggle Green La- Green Lantern. They said Green Arrow. After the tease in the previous crossover, even if it was an alternative Earth Diggle who is Green Lantern c- that can join the fight, just to see him be able to put the costume on would be great. Nerds chatting said Owlman, which is an interesting one. That one came out of nowhere. I hadn't expected that, but that's quite a cool little suggestion to throw him in there. There's a nice little animated gif of Batman fighting Owlman. So, you know, we could go to the, you know, Injustice Society and bring them in to have uh, the evil versions of them. That could actually be pretty cool to see that. So DC Fanverse, who you would know as DC Legends, uh, said, I really want to see Tom Welling play another DC Comics role, if not his infamous young Superman role from Smallville. I really was hoping he would be approached to play a small role would be nice if they got Lucifer in as well as he can travel between dimensions. Not one that's obvious or I've seen mentioned before, but you know Lucifer is in theory in the the DC Vertigo universe, so he could come in just to throw in a nod for something completely different that people wouldn't be expecting. 
James Edward said, I hope Helen Slater is in it as 1984's Supergirl. I think that the showmakers want her as part of this crossover. She does play Eliza Danvers in Supergirl, you know, alongside Melissa Benoist. And after all, that is part of Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yes, we need that. So they've recently revealed that uh, Supergirl is president. Yeah, so in Legion of Superheroes Millennium, the new Legion series that Brian Michael Bendis is writing at the moment, Supergirl appears in it and she is the president. Oh. Yeah. So that would be quite cool. You could see Helen Slater as a slightly older Supergirl. If you want to throw in some right modern-day comics continuity, she could be the the future president. We've then got Lillian Sue, who said, Since Rosenbaum is coming back, and so see, some people think that they are, some people think that they aren't, and we have Kevin Conroy as an older Bruce Wayne, I really want real Tom Welling as a different universe's Clark. Nicholas Cullen said, I hope Dina Meyer and Ashley Scott get to take part in this crossover event, plus Rachel Scarston, who is playing Alice on Batwoman. She apparently has said that she would love to play Dinah again and it would be a reunion of the three since the show went off the air in 2003. See, I'm not the only one that wants a Birds of Prey reunion. Uh, He also says uh, it would be great to see Anissa uh, from Black Lightning and Kara team up. Thank you very much for all of your comments. If you've got any suggestions for topic discussions, let us know. Just drop us a DM on Twitter or uh, you can uh, can send us an email. You can email me, neil at getyourcomicon.co.uk. We will consider all options for the future. I have to say my number one hope is reuniting the Birds of Prey. I think it would just be really cool to see them dive right back into DC history and pull some of the stuff that was, even if it was less popular, uh, just to show that there's a reverence for everything in that history. Lois and Clark is one that didn't come up that I thought might have, actually. Yeah, they can bring them back, because he's been in Supergirl as our dad, so... Yes. I think there's there's a lot of different ways they can go with it, and I would like to see them go as wide and as deep as possible to just really well, like i just said just show reverence to the whole dc universe what are your top ones for this titans i would imagine yeah i'm gonna have to go with the hulks i think they gave the the best comments of let's bring the titans and a bit of doom patrol in into it but quite i think we should go even wider so bring some of the older films into it as well oh absolutely so you know michael keaton as a, a different version of old bruce would be amazing just stick a scene there where old bruce argues with old bruce and it's kevin conroy and michael keaton are we not going to bet Burt Ward as well? Burt Ward, yep, in the in Batwoman. Very exciting. The only thing... Let's, let's hope that George Clooney is busy that day. <laughs> well, the only thing that I find no potentially worrying... Your person in charge of CWDC TV Universe, you've announced these couple of people that we know are going to be in it, like Burt Ward, and you see all of the internet chatter from people like us where we're going okay yeah we want gal gadot we want linda carter we want like michael keaton and you're thinking well we've got burt ward and kevin conroy and we've got no money left now that's the only thing that worries me i mean their crossovers are excellent and elseworlds was excellent last year but are we now all imagining like what could be a 12 when really they only have the budget to do like a six. It does, and I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but it does have the potential to disappoint by not being as lofty as we all seem to think it could be. Well, Debbie, you had to drop that bombshell, didn't you? No, I don't, and I'm not, I'm not trying to end this discussion on a down point. It's just, it's an interesting point of view, do you not think? No, it is. It is. It's very valid as well, because, you know, realistically... They can only afford so much. They can only afford so much, and there's only so many episodes. But 
you could just put a bit of stock footage in. Really. I was going to say, the easiest way around it is stock footage. We've seen it done in The Flash before, so there are ways and means to do it that don't have it be, you know, completely new and expensive. Either way, I'm incredibly excited for it, and it's going to be so sad to see Arrow go this year, because I have really enjoyed it. And I'm back in Season 1 rewatching it at the moment, and it's been really good fun seeing the, the classic episodes with it all kind of coming back together. And I have to say, I quite like it before Felicity's quite heavily involved in the storyline. Controversial. Anyway... That wraps it up for this week, this fortnight. This episode. This episode. We only have one episode left before we are in New York for New York Comic Con. So we record in two weeks' time, and then we record again in two weeks' time after that, and we will be in New York. New York, New York. New York, New York. The Big Apple. It's quite scary. I'm looking forward. We're going... So it's like... What, what, what do we want to call it? It's like... Geico on location where we're going to do it we're going to record it like in the convention center in our hotel uh in central park we could record it in midtown comics i don't think they would let us the top of the statue of liberty who knows we could do it on the broadway <laughs> we could have a musical episode i'm not singing for an entire episode we could have a music meister musical special am i allowed can i do it no Okay. Uh, other things we got coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we've got a screening of Ad Astra that we're going to this week, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, that's kind of it at the moment. More Titans, obviously. Um, oh, we'll have two more Titans. We will have two more Titans. That's like a whole three-hour episode in itself. <laughs> it is. We might have to start narrowing it down slightly. Okay. It'll be my turn to do a comic review next time. If you enjoyed that little new section that we added in, let me know. Let me know if there's anything else you'd like us to do because we're just trying to you know keep the format evolving and find the right way to do this going forwards for you we've got lots coming up that we'll be able to tell you about soon but until then thank you for listening as always super friends i have been neil goodbye that was very news at 10 sign off i found my trevor mcdonald you did so it is then goodbye for me and we will catch you next episode gentle listeners bye, bye.